we should start just annotating boring surgeries with things we pretend are magic. <laughs> scalpel. Ooh, the scalpel of Omon Ra. <laughs> Uh-oh, Doc. Looks like he's losing a lot of blood. No, he's not. He's totally fine. Better use our wound wound She Wonder Twins activate. Just me and Heath doing little rain dances around an operating room. Can we make them leave? I don't know. It's something about a Patreon goal. They promised they'd do it. (laughs) God awful movie. 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 Welcome back to the Gamcast, where each week we sample another selection from Christian cinema because our nipples have long since calloused to the clamps. I'm your host, No Illusions, and sitting in an undisclosed location this week is Heath Enright, who won't be able to join us today, but sitting 998 miles to my right is Eli Bosnick, who will be able to join us today. Eli, how are you this fine afternoon, sir? Pretty good, pretty good. Let's get all our shit talk about Heath out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Heath is, um... Oh, fuck, there's no mean things to say about Heath. There really isn't. Uh, who, uh, he's funnier than me. Well, start the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I should note that, uh, this week Heath actually wasn't just unable to join us. He was not erased from the record like an Orwellian whistleblower like we, like we had to do last week. He's actually just not here. So with him not here to fulfill this duty, I turn to you, Eli. What will we be breaking down today? We'll be breaking down God's Army. Mm-hmm. It's the story of a facial mole and the human attached to it <laughs> who gets walked through the Museum of Reasons Not to Be Mormon and is not affected by it at no. all. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> and how bad was this movie? So here's the thing. This is a relatively well-made movie. All the actors look basically at the you know, other characters on the screen instead mm-hmm. of directly into the camera. Yeah, right. There's a few genuinely well-acted moments. That said, this may be one of the most heinous movies when it comes to ideology we've ever watched. I have never seen a Christian movie that so clearly was written 99% by us. Well, and they got to write like four lines. Right, right. I, I couldn't tell if it read more like we had 18 minutes to rewrite a Mormon movie script or that the Mormons had 18 minutes to rewrite a scathing atheist script, but it clearly <laughs> felt like one of those two things was going on there. And, uh, you know, I've got to say, honestly, you're right in that it was a relatively well-made movie, which really just underscored how terrible it was. I mean, at a certain point, this movie would have been better if they'd had an $800 budget because you would have been able to look at it and go, well, I I mean, you know, they come. They couldn't even rent real cameras. But no, I mean, you know, from a, cinema, a cinematic point of view, th- this movie was basically done correctly. Yeah, but and and yeah, wow. And and I, like I said, I think that ultimately made it worse. Um, so the obvious question here is: this movie, the Mormon musical, Batman versus Superman, and the Thief in the Night trilogy. Am I safe in saying that Heath is the only smart one? I said, start the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anything you'd like to nominate this movie for being the best at being the worst at? Okay, so genuinely, this movie is the best at being the worst of presenting the other side and then knocking it down. There are, this movie, and this is true, like there's a little behind the scenes, halfway through this movie, I messaged you Mm -hmm. and was like, hey man, I think we accidentally picked an anti-Mormon movie, we gotta go fucking find something else, this is too, and then... 
30 minutes later, I messaged you and I was like, don't worry. Never it's mind. It's fine. Never <laughs> it's mind. totally fine. But <laughs> there are huge swaths of this movie where they point out vast gaping problems of Mormonism and they don't even jingle keys. No. Like they just, everyone looks upset and saddened and confused and scared by the words they just heard. And then it literally just, they keep acting. They just, they don't even bother like, well, God loves you like it's just there's it just it's nothing. the next scene this is the cinematic equivalent of talking about your bowels on a first date this movie did <laughs> not know what not to say but I, I had this overwhelming feeling uh while i was watching this movie that like that like mormons are the theological ends you know like even in their movies they walk around knowing that they're gonna go extinct they, they haven't found the ant wives they just all know and they're just like yeah I know we're just going through the fucking motions until it all falls apart you got a problem with that <laughs> unfucking real they're just stockpiling sneakers for their eventual Waco <laughs> Whatever. I want a quitter cult. Where's a quitter cult that just knows it's going to end badly? <laughs> all right, guys, get together. Uh, this is our first meeting, and this is all going to be a piece of fucking shit historically. <laughs> if we're lucky, we'll get something in, like, Time Magazine at the end of the year, but this is going to fucking suck. <laughs> I think you might just be able to find that in some Mormon chapters. <laughs> well, if we're going to make it through a recap of this boring shit, I'm going to need to sacrifice my soul upon the altar of Starbucks, so we're going to pause for a quick break, and when we come back, we'll break down all the melodramatic inaction that is God's Army. Just a reminder to all of our Patreon donors, be sure to check our Patreon feed for your monthly bonus episode. This month, Heath, Eli, and I broke down the most disappointing part three since the Quran, Matrix Revolutions. And if you're not a patron, here's a taste of what you're missing. <laughs> this is like ending a blowjob with a holocaust. That's the only way to describe <laughs> if she'd just been like, yeah, come on my face, and then you're like, uh, and then all of a sudden, six million Jews are dead. That's... <laughs> The version, that's what this movie is, but worse. Cause oh the Holocaust God. is over and this is still out there. <laughs> <laughs> Trinity looks like Jason Statham dressed up as Catwoman at this point. <laughs> Don't worry, there's really only ever one Agent Smith who does everything. The other Smiths are really just like Smith hype men. They're just like, oh shit! He gonna turn you into an Agent Smith! Apparently we're just gonna get like two hours of everyone talking like a college freshman on acid. Yes. Great. Yeah. You oh. are going to be a novelist. You really are. Keep talking like that. <laughs> Honestly, the the lyrics to Baby Got Back played underwater through a shark's rectum would make more sense than this conversation. Now they've stolen from Hume, Descartes, and Pac-Man. Why not a fucking Whole Foods? He should have walked through a machine Whole Foods and seen just a giant squid squeezing computer avocados being like, I want to make guacamole. Is it weird to make guacamole for a party? I don't want to seem like I tried too hard, but you know, Zachthar's going to be there and I, I think we could make a really beautiful computer program. I love him. Hoping if he titty fucks me, we'll make Tetris. What the fuck? Who knows? Jingly keymaker. Jingly keymaker. So if you'd like to hear the full two-hour-plus review of Matrix Revolutions, get access to monthly bonus reviews, and get early access to every episode, head over to patreon.com slash godawful and sign up today. And now, back to the show. And we're back for the breakdown, and we're going to start with an airplane arriving in L.A. and a voiceover about one day changing your life. 
Yeah, my music note for this scene is Uncle Cracker is going to start singing. <laughs> Mine was <laughs> the band at this bar would like to play one of their originals. <laughs> and also, I couldn't find this movie without gigantic Spanish subtitles all over it, which which was good because this was the most boring fucking shit I've ever sat through. So I was like, at least I'm going to learn some Spanish. Yeah, exactly. See, compliment sandwiched. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and this is where we're going to get introduced to the voice of our main character. Now, the main character of this movie is by far are the worst actor in it and his name is um elder allen right mm -hmm. yeah uh, but he delivers all of his lines including this monologue like hannibal lecter is eating his brain <laughs> so if you were hoping for a good performance from the person we're going to spend the most amount of time with you are in for some disappointment right it, it was it was quite bizarre because there were obviously better actors to take over that role i i, I don't know why in the world they decided to make him the main character so yeah now we we get him arriving at la at the airport the uh the the mormons showed show up to pick him up in a hippie bus yeah i guess all the la I said they mormons... came to pick him up in the mystery mobile <laughs> <You're right. laughs> Mormon, Mormon, more. Now, for for Alan's physical appearance, I just had sexually repressed William Cat from Kansas, but uh, I don't nice. know how many people are going to get that one. Yeah, I, nice, nice. I was focused entirely on the giant fucking half dollar sized mole <laughs> growing out of his goddamn face. That's what I was focused on. I wasn't able to think about anything else in this movie. I watched this movie twice. And the reason why I watched this movie a second time was because I didn't hear or see anything except the <laughs> hovering garbage can lid attached to this young man's face. It was a fucking conjoined twin, man. It was impossible. He looked like he looked like a like a Bond villain or something with that fucked up eye going on. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Bond do you remember when you attached this shih tzu to my face in 1970? I'm back for revenge. Exactly. And everyone in this scene acts like Keanu Reeves in a sleeper hold. Just like, dude, tap out. What's going on? They, they, it's like the fucking beginning of Reservoir Dogs. They're all so suspicious of each other. I expected them all to jump out of the van and grab a girl in Maine. But no, they're just, they're just Mormons. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it it certainly wasn't the uh the the thrilling opening I was hoping for. So they we get him driving through LA and, and I love the LA montage by the way. Apparently between the airport and the Mormon t temple or headquarters or whatever, you have all the touristy shit in LA plus a <laughs> black lady being harassed by the police. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Also, music note for this montage, let's welcome Tara Fawcett to the stage. <laughs> <laughs> That's a callback. Oh, and the guy turns to him and goes, Welcome to L.A., the greatest mission in the world. Ha, ha, ha. He laughs like his suggestion of a threesome didn't go over well. He's <laughs> just like, everyone in this movie who makes a joke that's supposed to be in a joke within a movie looks around desperately for approval at, like, the fucking boom guy. And they're just like, am I right? Fuck you. All right, cool. Well, that's fine. Too, okay, so when, when he's first meeting these guys, they say, where are you from? He's like, uh, I'm from Kansas, just outside of Kansas City. And they're like, oh, you're not in Kansas anymore. And I wrote in my notes, fuck, I bet people from Kansas love this fucking joke. And they're going to make that joke somewhere between seven and eight hundred more times <laughs> right. i assume in the hopes that the audience will kill themselves so <laughs> we don't have a way to end this movie so <laughs> we'd really appreciate it if you just got a rope yeah i assume that this movie ba was based on those auto rewind vcrs that are around at this time and they were like you know if people kill themselves during our movie they'll watch it a whole bunch of times <laughs> technically right 
as their corpse gently swings back and forth in front of the TV screen. (laughs) (laughs) So now we get to my favorite scene in the movie, and they they waste this scene early. This is where we meet uh, President Beecroft, and this man... Was just he was just put there because this movie was saying to us it's going to be a while before you have anything interesting to talk about. So so take a look at this guy, this fucking lump of a human being whose jowls just become his tits. <laughs> I have in my notes, Beecroft looks like the only Santaran Mormon from Doctor <laughs> Who. Eliminate. <laughs> He is, if, if, again, like for those of you who get the reference, he is the human version of Danger Mouse's trusty sidekick, Penfold. <laughs> I stopped on his fucking visage. I never wanted to unpause this scene. I'm just writing my notes. He looks like a low-level Dick Tracy villain. He, he looks like <laughs> Dilbert and his dog got into that machine from the fly. He looks like he should be telling Steve Buscemi why he's Mr. Pink. He looks like Drew Carey <laughs> swallowed Jim Carey. Can I just stay here forever? He's your Estes Perkle. You found your Estes Perkle. <laughs> I feel like I should break into song. One day you'll find your rest is home. You're just walking through a field of metaphors about this guy. Shit. Running your hands along them as your hair blows in the wind. <laughs> so anyway, so he's looking at White Grimace is looking through this file, I guess, on, on Elder Allen. And I'm sure it just has, you know, he masturbated on Saturday, June 11th. <laughs> I'd love to see what that file is. But he's just looking at it for a long time like Agent Smith in the first Matrix, you know. Mm-hmm. One of these lives has a future. One of them does not. That was yeah, my Hugo weaving. Sorry. I, I liked it. It was good. <laughs> uh, and we learned that his dad is going to be in jail for a long time. Now, I just want to point out that that is going to play out in the craziest yes! fucking way possible. If you don't watch these movies along with us, just take a moment now to think about the human you are. Cause in 30 or so minutes, when we reveal what that means, you will be, you will divide your life into two halves before you found out his, why his dad's in jail and after you found out. It is the craziest and this reaction. If you do know, take a moment to reflect on the reaction of the character in this. Yeah. You, you would not imagine what he's in jail for. It's like he's in jail for tax fraud. He's like, oh yeah, no, dad, dad, uh, dad did some not so great stuff. Don't really want to talk about it. <laughs> but right. I wrote in my notes, he's technically my stepfather. Haven't you seen Cypher in the Snow? I could die at any second. <laughs> stepfather whisper disease. So, well, yeah, right, exactly. But then the, the, the white grimace comes back and he's like, it says here you're sealed to him. That makes him your father. I'm like, fucking what? It's the baby duck thing. He followed him oh, around <laughs> for long enough. And that's uh, Mormon imprinting. I see. <laughs> right. And that really pisses off um, the Santaran. And he's like, you're not here for you. You're here to bother people on Saturdays. And he's like, oh, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. Well, we also learn here that mom has left the Mormon church. And it's funny because he's like, your dad's in prison. He's like, as my stepdad, hey, he's your dad. God damn it. And he's like, it looks like your mom left the Mormon church. He's like, yeah, she just couldn't fuck that bitch. Yeah, okay, all right. Well, someone sent me a message letting me know that, like, that was not something to be taken lightly. They were like, because one of the people who suggested this movie, and a bunch of people did, and by the way, fuck you, but (laughs) (laughs) someone sent me a thing and they were like, hey, there's a scene at the beginning where he mentions his mom has asked to be removed from the church records, and that's Mm -hmm. a huge fucking deal in Mormonism. So, like, what it should read as is, like, mom has asked to cut out her own heart and feed it to a baby right. who is allergic to hearts. Well, yeah, so for the listeners who don't know anything about this, leaving the Mormon church is a huge fucking process. 
Yeah. Right. Like to actually have your name removed. And, and that means like, you know, they, they don't keep track of where you are and send people to your house and send you letters anymore and fucking show up and go, hey, I noticed that you're going to hell here. Uh, you know, it, 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 and try and blackmail you. Uh, well, right, right. Exactly. There are a, a, an enormous number of steps. We had, uh, we had Dan from, thank God I'm atheist on scathing atheist long, long, long time ago to talk about all the, the various steps that he had to go through to get his name off the rolls there. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, it, it, and, and what, but what's so amazing is that very clearly that this human zit fucking goron of a human <laughs> person that's sitting behind this desk is looking at him going like, yeah, dad went to prison for, we'll get to it. Yeah, well, you know, he's a, he's a human being. Mom left the Mormon church. We will never speak of her again. She shall Ever. not be named. That's it. That's the, le- oh, she left the Mormon church, so she doesn't need to be a character in the movie anymore. Right, and, right. And the generous heap of mashed potatoes that is the other character in this scene, it's like you got, it's like you were nice to the lunch lady. That's what this character is like. <laughs> Extra for you. <laughs> So then I guess he's going to pair uh, Elder Allen with one of his best men. This is where we first meet Dalton, who looks like Bugs Bunny's accountant. Now, yeah. th- th- I wrote in my notes, Elder Dalton looks like he takes stealing office supplies very seriously. <laughs> <laughs> we all have a Dalton. Anyone who works an office job has a Dalton right now. There's someone listening to this show right now who could stand up at their desk and look at Dalton right, right now. They look at the Dalton in their life and be like, hey man, listening to a show about you. And he'd be like, no talking at the office and be like, fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, man. Listening to a whole show. It's all very meta right now. It's He's yeah. saying my thoughts to you. <laughs> and they call this character Pops despite the fact that he's like 26. Right. Well, he, we learned that he's 29. Oh, 29. He's, yeah. He's still doing the missionary stuff. Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. Which I guess you're supposed to be done with by the time you're 21. So yeah, he's an old soul in the missionary universe. And, and he is, uh, Elder Allen's new companion. There will be so much unaware homoerotic shit, uh, involved in the Mormon nomenclature around yeah. these, uh, these missions. It, I've been fully balls deep inside a man and it's been less gay than a lot of the interactions <laughs> Pops and Allen are going to have. Like, I've, I've been ejaculating into a man's rectum with less homoeroticism than what happens between these two characters, just as a heads up. Also, he introduces himself to Ellen by shaking his hand and going, so you're the one, and I wrote in my notes, run, run, no one who says that's gonna do a good thing. <laughs> you expect him to give a red pill or a blue pill, yeah. <laughs> So, so Alan is going to take him home, I guess, or to his like Mormon mission home or whatever. But along the way, they're going to knock on doors and annoy people. And he doesn't give him any warning either. He starts walking up to this house. And he's like, oh, this is a nice place. Is this our house? He's like, nope. This is, <laughs> we're going to annoy this guy before. Like, I, I, this is, we're five minutes into this movie. I needed to step off and take a break. Right, it exactly. took me five and a half hours to watch this hour and 48 minute movie. Yeah, this is a commitment. This oh, is a God. commitment. People have lowered themselves onto all Americans with less care <laughs> and, and self awareness than you can watch this movie with. <laughs> or you need less lube. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I can back you up on both ends. A friend of mine has done both. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so, so the guy at this, at this first house has no time for him. And we get the, I guess this is like Mormon jitsu, whatever, like all the Mormon missionaries are supposed to watch this scene and go like, wow, look at how good he is at being an annoying prick. 
Oh my God, every time that guy tries to close <laughs> his door, he won't shut up. That's, oh, he's so good at this. Oh, look, he said leave, and the guy had a redirect for that where he didn't leave. And <laughs> every non-Mormon who's watching this is going like, oh God, I hope they shoot him. Oh God, I hope somebody <laughs> shoots him. Hit him, hit him in the throat, punch him in the face. <laughs> and also, like, maybe this is just us, so a little background that you and I both worked in sales for a very, very long time. And so both of us know that this is sales technique applied terribly. It's yeah. just all the work, it's all the thing, it's all the things you read in a sales book applied in the worst, most irritating way possible. <laughs> Well, and it just reinforced how much I want those motherfuckers to show up at my house. Like 30 goddamn <laughs> times I've had Mormons show up at my house, but since I've been ready for them, zero. Zero. Mm. It's like I'm on a fucking watch list somewhere or something. Because the guy goes like, uh, you know, I'll be perfect because he's like, I don't have time for you. And then they're like, uh, well, when would be a good time to come back? He's like, y y you know what I mean. Get the fuck <laughs> off my porch. I'm just trying not to be mean. And he goes, look, guys, I I'm not interested in what you have to say. He And <laughs> the fucking uh, Pops goes, well, if you're not interested in what we have to say you must not know what we have to say here take this pamphlet i will shove it between your unconscious ass cheeks if i have to <laughs> so and and then like so the guy eventually slams the door on him successfully and elder allen's just watching him with his jaw on the floor he's like wow i could never do that yeah i wrote my notes i could never be that irritating well, and right. pop stern's to him and goes oh you certainly could you're <laughs> next <laughs> you have no idea so yeah the next door is his and the the lady that they cast for the it, it nothing came closer to making this movie worth it than the woman they cast for Alan's first door knock. <laughs> I th I think I can help people get a, a picture. Okay, you open this woman's recipe book. There's no recipes that don't have butter in them. There's no <laughs> recipe stick of butter. However many sticks of butter is on the list for all the recipes in this woman's book. That's the lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and she's basically like. Get the fuck out of here. Like, that's yeah. her response. He does not get the polite thing. No, yeah, exactly. She just yells, you know, you can't be knocking at people's doors like that, slams the door on him. And I'm like, uh, yeah, okay, that's probably how it should go. So then, then we get them having this ridiculously pedantic, why are you here speech where Alan is like the tough, uh, uh, trainer or whatever. Yeah. Also, music note for that little walking montage. I can't do this all on my own. No, I'm no, I'm no Superman. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to it. It's really close. It's re like everything was like three notes off of a song that you know. Yeah. Yeah. So it like, uh, Pops is like, why are you here? And Alan's like, to preach the gospel. And he goes, no, 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 to preach the gospel with the Holy Spirit, motherfucker. <laughs> and his response is like, huh, trick question. Kind of. Kind of a dick move from <laughs> my first day in my first 12 minutes. Yeah, right. My. They also walk by a couple of hookers at this point, and, and he's oh, going like... Oh, the hookers. And, and I thought this was just going to be this scene, but no, these hookers are going to be very pivotal characters to this movie. Yeah. In the baby drowning that is the movie, the hookers are the letting your head up out of the water. It's pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> the hookers are pretty fantastic till the end where they kind of spoil them. But throughout these hookers mess with the characters in this movie, the way I want to mess with the right. characters in this movie and they wear the outfits I want to do doing it. So, you know, it's, it's a win for everybody. <laughs> we should reenact this scene. We should reenact this scene with two unsuspecting Mormon missionaries. <laughs> I'll be the Hispanic chick. You be the Jewish chick. And yeah, we'll Fair. have some fun. So yeah. So these you always get to be the Hispanic. Chick. Sorry. This is, <laughs> 
<laughs> this is behind the scenes drama. I'm not taking it here. I look great in a Noah is no longer I'm associated with the God Awful <laughs> Movies podcast. <laughs> so they walk by the hookers and he's like, have you read that book I gave you? He's like, he gave the hookers a book of Mormon. No, I haven't <laughs> read it yet. So they carry on the pedantic speech. And I only point that out because the, the next question is so ridiculous. He's like, how many people are you going to convert on your mission? He's like, uh, th- th- 30. He's like, no, no, zero. God's going to convert him. Gotcha, motherfucker. Gotcha. <laughs> That's the kind of interactions these guys have. This is a buddy cop movie, essentially, between these two characters. <laughs> and yet, that's the kind of interactions they have. Pops is only one week away from retirement, and he's too old for this shit. <laughs> oh, it's the worst. I also love at the end of this scene, he's like, can we go back and talk to the hookers some more? Because like, you know, L.A. street hookers are pretty hot, as yeah, I understand. Super it. hot. Super, super hot. <laughs> yeah. So now we get this amazingly racist turn. Yeah! It won't be the most racist turn. But now it's it's late at night. They're still knocking on doors. And Pop sends him up to this one door. And he's like, you know, he's like, oh, it's not my turn. I just did the last one. He's like, you need more practice. And he knocks on the door, and who comes to the door but a fucking Lamanite. A straight-up gangsta. And <laughs> I, I will bet everything I own, all the money I have or ever will have, that his character description for this scene is G-A-N-G-S-T-U-H. Gangsta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my music note here is, this is a black person home. And, <laughs> I mean, very clearly, we're supposed to be looking at this scene and going... Uh-oh, it's a black person. What will our hero do? <laughs> he listens to music. Run, run. <laughs> so the black dude is like, you know what? I, I'm sick and fucking tired of you guys coming to my house constantly. Get the hell out of here. If you come back again, I'll beat you to death. That's his actual line. I wrote, I love this black guy. Right, exactly. My favorite and, character. And Pops' response is to put his foot in the door and go, you better apologize there, Mr. Negro. That's <laughs> <laughs> And for, again, this is going to play out differently than we want it to, but for this moment, I was watching it like, ooh! <laughs> right, right. I wonder what the characters who survived the movie are going to look like. <laughs> Hope they have faces that are normal people-shaped. <laughs> and I do believe, if I'm not mistaken, that in most places you can cut that guy's foot off with a machete at that point. <laughs> but Stand uh, your ground. Yeah, but the black guy says, I'm going to go get my pistol because he's black. And, and he walks off and Pop says, go tell him what's what and throws Alan into the into the house. Right. And Alan shrieks like a washerwoman. <laughs> but <laughs> but it, it's just a prank. It turns out the black guy wasn't evil. Dark skin is just genetic. And let's just take a moment to reflect here. The Mormons prank the new guy by making him think he's about to be murdered by a black man. <laughs> That's one of their, like, hazing pranks. Yes. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Yeah. And, and well, and, and it, it's all like kind of requisite on the idea that you're going to be afraid of black people. Like if uh-huh. one guy shows up that's not afraid of black people, he'll just be like, dude, I'm really sorry. My, I don't know why my partner's being such an asshole here. Like that's, that was clearly out of bounds. We'll put your name on the list or whatever. Oh, where's that crazy billionaire alternate remake where he's just like, Hey, super sorry to bother you. We won't come back. Yeah. No, we, we live here. We live in that black guy's house. No, it's a, it's a prank. You're supposed to be was, scared of him. Why am I supposed to be scared of him? Well, cause I'm, cause I he's was rude. 
I would. I like. I, I. I. If I'm remaking this movie, then what Elder Allen does is just starts beating the shit out of pops. You know, and he's like, "Let's get him." I've been wanting to do this all day, black man. Yeah, but that would be fun too. So yeah, now now we get the whole meeting the gang scene, and we get this from first person shooter perspective. That's the only time that I'm just like, "Okay, come on, guys, you're you're actually making a real movie. You know that, right?" But we're in right. first person perspective as we meet all these various Mormons that they're going to expect us to keep track of through the rest of this movie. Right. And basically, um, this guy, his brothers are going to marry his girlfriend. What? And, and, then, and then we never, we never come back to that. No. It's just like, oh, this guy's Tommy. He likes chicken. This guy's brothers are going to rape his soon to be wife. And this guy over here is which is just like, wait, whoa, whoa, go back. <laughs> I, had, I had questions about the, nope, not that, nope. not the guy who likes chicken. No. <laughs> also, we should point out, this is where we meet, uh, the dad from Back to the Future. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and the dad from Back to the Future, whose name I have written down later in my notes, is uh, Kinniger. Kinniger hor- is yeah, the character. Exactly. Name. Kinniger is horrified by this racist prank and the behavior of the people around and will be to this movie as you better fix th- you got some thinking to do, boo, will be for <laughs> Whatever the hell that movie Whatever was. that movie was. Yeah. It, well, right, right. Exactly. So Kin- I'm in love with a church girl. That, that's it. That's it. So <laughs> yeah, Kinniger, this character, like throughout the entire movie will be sane, will be rational, will never be bested in any of his arguments and is Ever. very clearly the bad guy. Kinniger is listening to this show right now. <laughs> Hi, Kinniger. <laughs> Sorry, made it into this movie, bro. <laughs> And sorry, your summer trip didn't go well. So Kinniger shows him to his room whilst making it very clear that he's a bottom. Right, exactly. I wrote, oh, this is the preface to them fucking. Oh, God, he is going to fuck him. Go for the eyes. Go for the eyes, Alan. <laughs> it, yeah, this could not be more clearly. Uh, so you want to, you know what? Never mind. Never mind. I'm getting the wrong <laughs> vibes here. Not all Mormons. So it's... <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty sure Alan is now Kinniger's bitch. I, I don't know how it works in Mormonism, but I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Right. Because now it's time for the Mormons to play what I assume is Ookie Cookie. Like I couldn't see the cookie, but they're all on their knees in a circle. And yeah. the only time I've ever been in a circle where everyone's on their knees is Noah's birthday, which I know we said we weren't going to talk about, and Ookie Cookie. There's only two... Reasons. Yeah, no, if you need a visual on the scene, imagine a bukkake party where the girl backed out at the last minute and they decided to go ahead with it. Yeah, exactly. uh, Not going to let her ruin my fun, am I right, guys? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and apparently these are night prayers. Everybody gets together in a circle on their knees and sings together and has prayers together. And then Alan gets a lot of long, awkward hugs from the strangers that he just met earlier today. Yeah, there's a lot of almost fucking the Eli Bosnick story. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, then we get him and Pops, like, basically laying on in bed together praying, and then Pops puts his arm around him at the end of it and just... Well, and then Pops goes, okay, it's time for personal prayer, and Alan gets up and he's like, hey, man, and he's like, just leaning over the bed... Just kneeling on the bed. 
right. guess what I'm personal praying for? <laughs> I'll give you a hint. It's about breathing. <laughs> but Alan well, doesn't get the hint. Well, so. I mean, he goes to a suitcase. I'm expecting to hear a vibrating sound coming from it. Again, we need to redo the sound effects in these movies. But uh, <laughs> but no, unfortunately, that's that's not going to happen. Instead, he's going to lay in his bed and an etch or something. Color? Who the fuck knows? So now we cut to the middle of the night. Uh, uh, the, the black dude is waking pops up because his greenie, that's his, his, his noob, I guess, yeah, went That's the guy with the dead mouse hanging off his face. <laughs> that's the greenie. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Looks like he mostly made it out of the torture from 1984, but not all the way. <laughs> so, yeah, so apparently he's run off. He's gone to the bus station. He's like, this is so crazy gay. I was not expecting it to be that crazy gay. So he's going to go home to Kansas City. But the but the black dude and pops show up as though they're going to murder him where he sits. This I wrote. This is the scene where they shoot him in the head, huh? Yeah, right, right. That also, dude. we have had no indication that he wasn't happy. None. Like no. he's been sitting there quietly, kind of like a dork. But like we haven't seen him struggle or not want to be there. He just seems like new. Yeah. To this environment. So after 14 minutes of this movie with no indication he was anything but happy to be there, now he's trying to sneak away in the middle of the night. Right. And look, he didn't have to reveal that to anyone but us. You could have done it with just a couple of camera shots of him looking like, wow, maybe this isn't for me. But no, they didn't <laughs> bother. Um, and I think it may just be because, again, this is a, a movie, obviously, for Mormon missionaries. And maybe they just all know that the first day you go to the goddamn bus station and right. 11 out of 12 of you never come back. <laughs> They've just get paid that guy at the bus station a 20. All right. When he shows up, call us and we'll come, <laughs> right. we'll come around and... Have you guys considered having a better religion? All right, shut up, Alan. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, I ain't going to say shit. I'm making a ton of money off it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And can you reenact this convincing him to stay conversation with me? <laughs> as long okay. as I get to be him. Okay, great. I'll be Pops. I'll be Pops. All right. So, you're leaving, huh? Uh, Yeah, this just isn't for me. Hmm. You're a loser, faggot. <laughs> Like you're a loser faggot, and then and then Alan is like, no, uh, and he's like, yeah, huh, and he's like, I'll fucking stay, I'll can do, I'll fucking, I'll convert ten thousand people, and he's like, I'll have sex with a vagina right here, put a vagina here, I'll do it. <laughs> well, they have this like hypothetical man where he's like, the black guy comes over and he's like, maybe he loves the ganja, maybe he loves to drink, maybe he's gay, yeah, and. Our main character, again, this will never come back, leaps out of his chair and is like, nope, nope, not gay, not gay, not gay. I'll do whatever you want. I'll go on the mission. I'll, I'll, I'll do, I'm not gay. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, so not gay. Clearly the homoerotic black guy ear whispering was too much for him. That's, but that's ultimately how they convince him to say, if, if you leave, we'll all assume it's cause you were gay. Right. That's basically the way that they convince him to stay. Also, credit to my beautiful and very funny fiance. There's a moment where he sits down and he goes, well, what are we going to do for three hours? And Anna just goes, bow, 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 bow. <laughs> <laughs> what I love too, after they convince him to stay, like, uh, pops plays the, well, maybe I'm not ready to take you back card. You yeah. Know? He's like, well, uh, if you're going to, what are you, you're just going to run off again. And then he's like, no, I promise I won't. Mormonism's it for closers. <laughs> You, and basically the scene ends with him going, well, I'm keeping my ticket. And he's like, fine, keep my bags packed. Fine. Yeah, in case I wake I up with stuff in my butt, I'm out. I'm out. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah no, this that's is fair. basically the conversation me and Noah had when I tried to get Cully Kullberg on the show. I'm not, <laughs> again, it's behind the scenes drama. I don't want to do it. I'm just saying. I just wanted one minute to call her a cunt, and then we could have hung up. We could have hung up, put it on the show. Could have been a. It's fine. <laughs> I actually We're tried to do that with minute. Josh Fierstein when he was first. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, that that never worked out. So uh, we cut to tomorrow at six a.m. and we get him falling out of bed. He's such a clown. Comedy. <laughs> I wrote in my notes. He's dead now. Hard to prophetize when your spine is broken. Right. But no, he's he's gonna be just fine or whatever. So we get the like them waking up at Mormon House, um, and and it's they're like really obvious about wow, there sure are a lot of pharmaceuticals on Pops's counter there where he's brushing his teeth. Yeah. I wrote in my notes. Is Pops dying? I bet Pops is dying. By the way, I'm gonna win that bet. Also, we get um, Crispin Glover. Yeah, Kinniger. Uh, yeah, yeah basically ruining the movie so this is the scene that happens <laughs> he's reading a book called the truth about the mormons mm -hmm. and he says hey man you know that the book of mormon says that there were horses in america there were no horses in america before christopher columbus yeah and the and now what happens in the movie that you write that you want to show to people to keep them in your cult is you go Actually, he's not referring to them as horses. He refers to them as gadunkadunks, and those are actually ancient reptiles, so go fuck yourself, right? Something like that. But instead he goes, why are you reading that stuff? It's worse than pornography. Well, he says it's as bad as pornography, right. yeah. And, and just to be sure, I jerked off the David Michaels show a couple of times, and I think he's right. I don't want to fuck it's with true. him on yeah, that. It's fair. But right, but they don't even offer an apologetic. The apologetic they offer is, why would you read something like that? Right. Why would you read something that critically examines our religion, you bastard? And they do that over and over again to this kid. So that's the function this character is going to serve. He is the doubter or whatever. But the stuff that he says, like, oh, yes, that completely disproves your religion. Yep. Right? The fact that there were no horses in America before uh, the, the fucking Europeans showed up with them is proof that it's complete bullshit. And it's not exactly like you have to go real far. There are fucking submarines in that book. So you didn't have to go to horses necessarily. But just say magic horses. Just say magic horses. It's not hard. <laughs> just, just have that character just, go, it was miracle. Miracle horses. Jingle some fucking keys jingle already. Jingle some keys. Don't just ask him not to talk. <laughs> Right. <laughs> this was the this response was not even jingly keys. It was just like shush. shush. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Well, and then the, Kinniger's response, he's like, why would you be reading that stuff? He's like, I have to know this kind of stuff, man. How am I supposed to fight against the enemy if I don't know what the enemy thinks? Right. He's he's trying to find out the truth. That's what's crazy. Yeah. You could even take this character. Let's say you don't want to argue against his points and you just want to take this character and make him the doubter. You don't have him say, well, I'm just trying to figure out the truth. Right. Like, because people are going to ask us these questions and I want to know what's true. It's important what's true, right? You you have him just be like, I don't know. I just am sick and tired of this Mormon thing. You know what I'm saying? Because his performance is flawless and heartbreaking. We're yes. going to get to a scene later yes. in the movie that is genuinely heartbreaking that this movie has no fucking answer for. No, no. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get, we'll there. get there. And now at 7.30 a.m., which is personal study time, I have to imagine that's a euphemism for jerking off. And this is where we really get as close to the mole as ever we'll get. Uh, so I just really have a bunch of notes about how this movie expects us to ignore that he has the tumor the size of a pea and the color of Shaq growing out of his fucking face. 
But yeah, Pops is studying and he sleeps because he's not used to waking up at 7.30. Yeah, well, 6.30, yeah, he's been up for an hour at this point. But then Pops, yeah, because he's not really into this, so he just gets a little bit more uh, more shut-eye. And then it's time for companion study, which I assume is back-to-back or maybe Dutch rudder. Right, exactly, Dutch rudder. <laughs> he goes, and he asks him, he says, what are we supposed to be studying? And I wrote, the Book of Mormon, dude, you have one book. <laughs> well, they have three <laughs> they have three. Yeah. So instead they're gonna, they're gonna study the book of Timothy, which is mm. great. Right. Timothy, just in case any women they talk to try to teach them. <laughs> Oh, all right, right, exactly. So, and this is where we get the scene. It's, it's like they're trying to go for the Mormon equivalent of Arnold Schwarzenegger loading up in the third act of Commando yeah, or whatever. Su- this is the suit up scene, and yeah. it's fucking amazing. <laughs> also, music note for this scene: these boys gonna run some moonshine. <laughs> I had, uh, if it wasn't for all these mushrooms, this music would probably suck. Uh, <laughs> So, but then what we're supposed to get here is that Pops has his shit figured out. He's been, the, uh, you know, a Mormon missionary for 10 years. He can iron a fucking white shirt like nobody's business and, and tie a tie, which apparently Elder Allen cannot do. And the director feels that tie comedy is Absolutely limitless. Yeah, well worth twenty to seventy minutes of this. <laughs> I wrote, boy, I could watch him try to tie that tie for hours, which is good because I will. Apparently, <laughs> holy shit! But luckily, eventually, pops takes care of all this tie tie in for him, and they can like slap on their badges and head out. Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, we get some more of that awesome door knocking. This is a movie about the most annoying thing that can happen to you from the most annoying person you've ever encountered. Yeah, it's really interesting. And the first person they knock on is the Mr. Superman No Here character from uh, (laughs) Family Guy. That's what happens. You, you watch this movie, it fucking you happens. Buy. Well, right, right. So it, they just get one racial stereotype after another in this fucking movie. But yeah, she comes to the door with this, oh, oh, I don't speak English. But you know what? Fuck that. Pop speaks Spanish, too. To which then she just switches to English and she's like, okay, well, just fuck off and leave then. <laughs> He's like, oh, no, don't worry. I speak Spanish. We do this to minorities all the time. And she's like, oh, fuck yourself. Right. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go away then. I'll tell you in your own native tongue. She's my new favorite character. Um, and also as you're walking away, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck is going on here. A fat this dude. This is the wet shit. Yes. Okay, great. Go ahead. Yes. Okay. So as they're walking away and they're and they're they're like saying mean shit about the lady that just told him to fuck off. He's like, "There's nobody home. Must be why her skin is so dark. All the evil." And then all <laughs> of a sudden, a Volkswagen bug pulls up, and a fat guy jumps out of it and goes, "I need to use the bathroom. Need to use the bathroom," and runs into that lady's house. There will never be a reason for that. Nope. They just really wanted them to know that this one guy needed to take a big, painful, wet shit. And that's the kind of stuff that Mormon missionaries run into. Because here's the thing. I bet that scene was written in because that actually happened to a couple of missionaries. They're walking right, along. Yeah, right, right. The guy pulls up in his car and goes, I got to go to the bathroom. Can you believe it? And everyone was just like, let's take pictures of each other on the toilet. <laughs> Well, that's the thing, though. It's a really interesting window because this was, of course, written by a Mormon missionary and it's ostensibly his story of his Mormon mission, which is why his dad's in prison for such fucked up shit. (laughs) But but what's amazing to me is that the, the real window that you get into Mormon missionaries through this movie is that being a Mormon missionary is so goddamn fucking boring that you think a guy needing to take a shit that drives by as you're walking through 
is so interesting it needs to be saved for posterity. This is what happens when you have no TV. Yeah, worthy of mention in your movie. Yeah, exactly. We've really got to revisit that. So then we show, we cut to the diner uh, where Connie's pussy juices look delicious. I'm sorry. I got to spend a moment on Connie oh, here. Oh, yeah. On myself, actually. Yeah, so so we get to the diner, and there's this waitress named Connie, and she's probably a squirter. I don't know for sure, but I, in my imagination, she's a squirter. I think squirter. it's only fair that we find out. We're scientific, <laughs> we're skeptical, yes. scientifically-minded people, so <laughs> if you or any of our Exmo listeners know where we can find Connie, <laughs> just send her phone number or address. It's fine. To, yeah, she won't mind. I'm sure yeah. she won't mind. We're it's admirers. not about her minding. <laughs> not about her. 20 minutes of stalking should not ruin my life. <laughs> so, yeah, so at any rate, and, and they, but they have to have this whole like, you know, oh, we're missionaries. Boy, are we sure rusting our dicks at the prime of our lives scene. And that's, I guess, why they've introduced Connie. So all of them can look and say, oh, I wish I was allowed to have sex. Oh, right. I wish I was allowed to have sex. As though Connie would have fucked any of these guys. Yeah, exactly. And it's basically, you look, they say, this is their catchphrase. You look once, you're not a man. You look twice, you're not a missionary. And I wrote in my notes, what if you come on her apron? I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> Well, I love to, like, one of the characters is like, is she really that hot, or are our dicks just falling off from neglect? Yeah, this and, is Song Taba, the, Mish- the Lamanite. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> Song Taba, I love it. So, and then also we get, uh, like, Kinniger, and he's like, no, she's not uh, all that hot. She probably has a vagina. Ew, am I right? Who wants to play What's in My Foreskin again? Huh? And, Anyone? Anyway, no? Docking? No? Yeah. Go back to reading these books about how bullshit our religion is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So the important part of this scene, the, the, the takeaway is that Connie is fucking delightful. Well, also, there's this moment where Song Taba basically says, hey, do you like to read? And she's like, yeah, I love to read. And I wanted him to go, do you like to read nonsense drivel written by an illiterate con man? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, <laughs> and he's like, I have this book for you. And she goes, you don't have money for a tip, do you? And if we had an extra three and a half hours in the show, I would go get Lucinda. <laughs> who has worked as a waitress for something like 15 years of her life and let her get all red-faced and batshit over how many fucking Christians have left their Christian pamphlets instead of tips, how many Mormons have left their books of Mormon instead of tips. Hell, the Quran she's reading is some fucking Quran that some lady in goddamn New York left her in lieu of a tip. Mm-hmm. And the only thing more than the amount of tips I got as a bartender in Jesus pamphlets was the amount of spit and or cum, urine, and shit I gave in return. I'm just talking weight. It's just a scientific fact. <laughs> My shit's weigh more than your Bible. Eli Bosnick story. And they have more intellectual rigor. So, <laughs> okay, so, and then also we have to go back to gay horse Mormon, Kinniger, so that he can be like, hey, do you guys know that Joseph Smith gave four conflicting accounts of his first vision? Right. And this is where Pops goes pretty hard. This is the closest we get to a counter-apologetic, which is he was talking to four different audiences, okay? And it's like, that shouldn't change basic facts in the story, though, right? And they're like, shut up, man, you're a downer. <laughs> well, and, and then they, they, they jump into the, I love how they jump into this, like, subclause of a subclause of a subclause of what he's talking about. He's like, no, because so and so never taught this. He's like, yes, they did. They taught it in such and such a year. Check this out. So it's just like the one little fucking argument within this that they can actually counter. They do. The thing is, is that it's too stupid for counter apologetics. William Lane Craig couldn't make this shit sound <laughs> reasonable to a fucking Mormon. So they don't even 
bother. And also, by the way, everything they point out is all fucking quill pens and dromedary camels anyway. Like, it's not, you know, he's not going like, hey, did you know that Joseph Smith shot first at the, at the, at the jailhouse <laughs> and was drunk at the time? Hey, did you know that Brigham Young had dozens of people massacred for getting too close to his shit? Hey, did you know that the Joseph Smith organized an army with the intent to overthrow the U.S. government? None of that shit's coming out. They're like, you know, <laughs> you know he lied about being a Mason and cried like a bitch right before they all murdered him? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do the horse ones. The ho- this was the least damaging apologetic they could find, and that's why they used it in this movie. Well, right, right, exactly. Like I said, it's not like you've got to go deep into the Book of Mormon to find anachronisms. They're just like, yeah, horses. That's the weirdest thing in this book. But that's when Pops turns and directly addresses us. He goes, I mean, what does it say about the people that they just spend their whole lives making fun of people? And I wrote in my notes, don't talk about me like that, Pops. I'll fuck you up. I don't give a shit how many pills you take every morning. Take you down. So, and, and, and of course, the, the solution that he suggests to Kinniger is he's like, why don't you look that stuff up in our books? I mean, if you want an objective source on Mormonism, why don't you look to the Mormons? Mm. Jesus Christ. But the, the, the main message of this movie, though, is this strong, like, don't look into this bullshit message. Do not do your own research. Yeah. This movie. Right, right, exactly. And, oh, God, boy, does that come to a boil later on in this fucking movie. So, but before we get there, we have to get to this Hispanic family where crazy hot daughter has decided she wants to be a Mormon and dad's not so sure about this. Yeah, Dora the Explorer really wants to get <laughs> baptized. <laughs> But she can't have a magic spell cast on her unless her dad says, go. Right, right. Yeah, and dad's like, we're Catholics. And and Dora's like, but I don't want to get kid raped anymore. He's like, you're a girl. (laughs) You're fine. Cut it out. (laughs) I don't know. I tie my hair back and he starts to look at me weird. I just think it's safer to go with the Mormons. (laughs) As long as I don't run into Alan's dad. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. Now it's time to go talk to the hookers again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we get another missionary montage. They walk back by the hookers. And this time he goes, have you read that book? And one of the hookers says, yes, I did read it. And he believes her about as easily as I do. <laughs> and he quizzes her. He's like, really? What's your favorite part? And she's like, I like the part where that guy who's like you gets burned at the stake. And he's like, <laughs> cool. You want to hang out Saturday? <laughs> That's exactly what she says, too. Her favorite part is there. there's a guy and he's exactly like you and they murdered the fuck out of him. And he's like, yeah, I like that part, too. Yeah, <laughs> human sacrifice is pretty awesome. Um, so, yeah, and, and they are so turned on by the fact that she's able to name this part of the Book of Mormon. Oh, yeah. The important thing is that we're supposed to believe that a person who's not Mormon... That a street prostitute read the Book of Mormon the, voluntarily. And, and then came back and says, no, I'm interested in this stuff. I really am. Right. Huh. So, and then from there we move, and so they, they set up to, to like actually like get with her and, and, and come to her place and, and tell some, you know, Mormon stories or whatever, Which is you know, whatever pay happens. Off in the best way humanly possible. It will, yeah. It will. But before that, uh, every time we keep saying it's gonna get good, but before that, 90 more minutes. 90 <laughs> exactly. more minutes, guys. We got two minutes worth talking about in this movie but we have to talk about all of it. yeah exactly it's not god-awful moments yeah right otherwise heath would be all pissed when we put out this 15 minute <laughs> episode fuck? you guys get to do the spark notes version of the movie and i miss it <laughs> damn it i'm going back to the beach <laughs> <laughs> 
ever since you said that, I can't look at his picture without thinking about it. Nobody, uh, thousands of people have messaged me and just been like, I can't not see it. <laughs> Every picture. I don't even know what it means. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so now we get one of the buddy cop moments where they're all sitting there talking about their parents and everything. Um, and, and again, for no goddamn reason, none of this information ever becomes important, but apparently Pop's dad wanted him to be a surgeon, but instead he was stupid for a living and his dad didn't like the idea that he was volunteering for slave labor. Um, and it's supposed to be like a, can you believe that? What a dumb to do this for free. And he's like, yeah, man, crazy. My dad gave me a fake autographed baseball by Hank Aaron. (laughs) His sob story is that his dad left when he was seven, but before he did, he gave him an autographed baseball by Hank Aaron. But then when he looked it up, the dad just fucking faked it. Yeah. Yeah. uh And that's the most, I want to see that scene. Here you go. Uh, Hank. Aaron. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> oh, that's real. That's real. That's how he spelled it. But now we get to meet Brother Rose, who might be my favorite character in the movie. Yeah, and Brother Rose wants to be a Mormon, but he just can't give up coffee. That's the actual fucking story arc we get for this character. Yes, he isn't a full-blown Mormon because he likes his coffee too much, but he's agreed to drive the missionaries somewhere for every time he drinks a coffee. Right. And he has a coffee ride tracking chart in his van like a crazy person would. It looks like something from fucking Kevin Spacey's notebooks in seven. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a deleted scene where Brother Rose sucks someone's dick for a frappuccino, but like, I just <laughs> had to cut it. <laughs> crazy billionaire money there sure as hell will be. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they go to this, they're going to see this guy, Benny, and they're going to have a little cookout, and there's three Mormon girls there, and they're all crazy fucking hot. Everybody in this goddamn movie is so hot. All the chicks yeah. were anyway. They, they did. They got people for this movie for the most part. More or less. Um, yeah. and I should point out that Benny, uh, is basically what happens if the son from Breaking Bad had fucked Andy Rooney from the Breakfast Club. <laughs> oh, like that's. <laughs> That's Benny. Somehow offensive to disability and Asians in a way that makes both worse. <laughs> he very, very excited to be a Roman. <laughs> Watch the movie. Yeah, no, you me? gotta... Yeah, Man no, of the movie. It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> well, then you can get mad at, at, at Eli, but Well, yeah. then, yeah, exactly. Eventually. And this is where we meet bitchy love interest... Oh my god, yeah, this, this woman, this, this love interest in general is probably the worst I've ever seen in film. Yeah. It's like, you know, those, those, those romantic comedies where it starts out that they hate each other, but then they, they get booked in the same hotel room and have to share it for the weekend, and by the end of it, they like, it's like the beginning of that, and then they just wind up married at the end. Right, they never, exactly, they never did the second half. The couple in Loving the Bad Man have more chemistry. <laughs> Literally. I'm not making that up. Like, they have a nice moment through that little glass plate thing. <laughs> they do. So, yeah, so she's she's basically trying to make him feel stupid and uncultured, and it doesn't seem like that's a real high bar to try to reach. Well, she goes, do you play any musical instruments? Because he's, like, drumming on the table because he's bored because she's boring. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, no, I don't play anything. She goes, I play the cello. It's shaped like a big violin. It's... <laughs> And this is, uh, by the way, in case you're wondering where Anna left the room, she's yeah, like, shaped like a cello is what it's shaped like, and that was it. <laughs> That's where she left. You don't fuck around with stringed instruments with Anna P. Smith. <laughs> I could, I was hoping, actually, that she left before that. I was like, man, I'm going to have to buy Eli a new TV or a new <laughs> exactly computer or right. something. 
Ah, <sighs> so yeah, and then the next step in her her uh, humiliation scheme here or whatever is to ask him what he thinks are the three greatest books ever written, and she gives like she gives her list of the greatest books like she looked it up on fucking line. Absolutely, this could not be a more cookie cutter answer for someone who has not read those books and has not read any great literature. Just like Grapes of Wrath, War and Peace. Shakespeare, like just like nine <laughs> smart book. Beethoven side one track one. My, but it's my name is Asher Lev, which is just so. My name is Asher Lev. Like what the? F- I wouldn't. That would be not top. I, I can't even. I can't even. It's, but uh, it's it's supposed to be a smart answer, and then she's like, "What are your favorite books?" Goosebumps, and I had a nice moment because I love the shit out of Goosebumps. <laughs> oh, where that dummy tries to rape that girl? But read that book again. That dummy is trying to rape that girl. <laughs> There's a lot of potential rapes in Goosebumps. Uh, you got to look on it with the grown-up eyes, but like, <laughs> I bet you didn't have to though. I yeah, bet you no, got I was it all on it in the moment. I was like, Mom, <laughs> that dummy's gonna rape you, and my mom was like, "Enough of these. That's it. So you are but- in third grade." But this whole <laughs> tortured bullshit is apparently set up so that when he's, when, when she says, so what are your favorites? Goosebumps one, two, and three. He can say, no, the Bible, the Book of Mormon, and the Doctrines and Covenants. And everybody can just be like, oh shit. Oh, he can drop the shit, mic and walk he got off. You. Yeah. You set yourself up for that one. It's like, no, his answer was even stupider worse. than yeah, yours. He actually came up with worse answers. Yeah, exactly. I'm not even mad. I'm just impressed. <laughs> So then we cut inside where where Pops and Benny are having this conversation with the most pot like this could not more look like it was going to be some gay domination porn that that the, the entire setup was perfect for that. Well, he says, "Look, whatever we say here, that's just between us, okay?" Yeah. And I'm like, "Oh, all right. They're going to fuck, right?" Can you feel this, Benny? <laughs> <laughs> How high do I have to go before you can feel it, Benny? <laughs> So, yeah, there's nothing natural about the way they're talking to each other if this relationship is platonic. And and he goes, and Benny's just like, do you think even somebody like me who's all gimpy could be a missionary? Because I can't walk well. Notice the crutches. Right. Do you, I don't know. Do I have magic oil that's going to give you the ability to walk in Act 3? <laughs> Jesus fucking. Fuck this movie. Don't get me started. 20 yeah. minutes. I, this yeah. is, that is, uh, we'll talk about it. We'll yeah. talk about it when it happens. <laughs> well, but oh, yes. Where, this is where we learned that Doc was in his second year of medical school and he thought, nah, instead of helping people, I'm going to air quotes help people. Uh, <laughs> right, right. So now we get him driving away from Benny's and they're talking about the hotties. They're like, hey, did you like that blonde chick? And she's like, oh, her boobs, I didn't notice them. Uh, her name, by the way, is Sister Frank. Frank. S- Sister Frank, as in surprise me in the middle of the night, ask me to name a character. Sister Frank. <laughs> yeah, I wake up, name this character. Frank. Frank. Her name's Frank. Frank and Frank, just Frank. Okay, go back to sleep. So then he wakes up, and this is actually fairly clever. I thought they, they, he wakes up, and they and they make you think he's having an or they're they're having an earthquake, but it turns out that pops is just having a seizure. Yes, and this is a fucking terrifying scene. It really is. Because it they really put is. a spoon in his mouth. He's having a grand mal seizure. They put a spoon in his mouth, and they call the uh, the hospital. Right? right. But then, 
they do like a fucking ER scene, but it's hurry, bless him. Like there's literally a moment where he's like, damn it, man, bless him and put magic oil on his head. Right. And, and the, and Kinniger can't quite do it. So they just push him aside and he lays on the ground as the, the black guy jumps in and has to do the magic oil ceremony for him. No, the, up until this movie, it was, or up until this point, this movie was just like, oh, yeah, but it's stupid and this is what they do or whatever. But this is where it became terrifying. Dangerous. Fucking yeah. terrifying. Dangerous. And I should point out that every person, because we asked people on our Facebook um, for god-awful movies, like, what Mormon movie should we watch? And everyone was like, they were like, Cypher in the Snow and, uh, what is it, Johnny Lingo and this. Mm -hmm. This was the movie that everyone was like, this is the one that I was told was the good Mormon movie. Please, please do this movie. And this is some dangerous, scary shit. Yes. And, but they take him to the hospital because I'm, I'm sure they've got the really good oil at the hospital. <laughs> right, yes. Apparently their magic spell wasn't quite enough. We don't have enough oil here. Take him to the special oil dispensary. Because <laughs> if your oil works, you don't need a hospital, right? That's, that you would be, they would be superfluous, yes. So, yeah, but, uh, but apparently Elder Allen has to go with him because he's his companion. And at this point, I'm just like, do you have to just sit in the next stall and hold his hand the whole time? This is weird. And the answer is yes. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, exactly. As we'll learn, it doesn't even even end when you're dead so th th then we get this extraordinarily long waiting at the hospital montage mm -hmm. which i use to open my computer and jerk off to several full-length pornographies <laughs> there's in case you're wondering what to do during that time period and eventually after 93 minutes of this white grimace shows back up to tell alan what's up he's like why don't you come with me and he's like because you're disgusting you're just like a goddamn lump you're like pizza the <laughs> hut from space balls but a human right but we learned that pops has a brain tumor yep and he has three or four months left to live three or four months yeah uh-huh he's on a very limited existence schedule yeah now i don't want to be the guy who's super pedantic about this moment in the movie but if you have three or four months to live you're not totally fine and then die that's not how brain tumors work <laughs> Or illness in general, just so people are aware. This movie seems unaware that, like, brain tumors aren't time bombs that go off in your brain. Well, exactly. Well, that's the other thing, too, is that he's got three or four... That's not how that works, either. Yeah. You know, he has a certain percentage of chance of living for a certain... But it's not like you ask the tumor, you know, when are you, you going to be done with this guy? Uh, give me, uh, say June. Say June. Uh, th three, June, four July. months, something like that. Ooh, I really need it by Wednesday. Sorry, can't do it, man. <laughs> can't do it express cleaning why do you even call it express cleaning okay just tell me that i can pay you twenty dollars and get my shirts on thursday just just tell me so so but at this point too like alan asks the obvious question he's like well if he's only got three or four months left to live why don't you let him go home he's like he refuses to go he actually wants to just die on somebody's porch trying to guilt him about a pamphlet think about how effective that would be right so i guess that makes sense but so th then eventually we get Pops waking up. And of course, the first thing he thinks about is, I have a 3.30 appointment. You're going to nope. have to hit that for me. Yeah, go bother someone. Promise yeah. me. Promise me you'll ruin someone's breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let them catch the overtime. Whatever you do. And then we get, again, just a comedy scene, which is very inappropriate for this moment in the movie. We cut to them trying to convert 
Grizzly Adams. <laughs> yeah. And he's all the stereotypes of white poverty. Uh-huh. He's just, there are crying children running around, you know, barefoot and pregnant. And then the mom is screaming from the other room like, where are my menthol cigarettes, NASCAR country music? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. This is the family that throws the propane tank into the campfire. But, uh, but yeah, and, and, and we get this, and, and I should point out that there are children screaming throughout this entire six minute scene here just so they can set up this whole, yeah, in Mormonism, you get to be with your family forever. And he's like, you see my family, don't you? Why the hell would I want to do that? Pass. <laughs> That's the whole joke, but we have to spend six... Mi- and again, this is because this happened to this Mormon guy, and he's like, that was pretty funny, though, when you That's think about great. it. And the yeah. guy's like, I wouldn't want your family either. And the guy's like, no, sorry, I thought you were the 72 virgins guys. I don't. I already have this bitchy right, yeah. wife, so... Exactly. Yeah. I'm looking for the guys that say I can hit her. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's us. That's us. Right. Um, so yeah, so then, then we cut back to the house and, and they got the guy showing him the pictures of, of, of not being on his fucking mission. Man, do I miss this? He's also, there's this great moment where he, he doesn't have the money to get all the pictures he's taken on his mission developed. So he pulls out this big thing of, of canister and he's like, I guess I'm all, I'll get them all developed when I get home. And I just wrote in my notes. Ah, remember getting pictures developed. Yeah, yeah, Didn't exactly. Didn't know if they turned out right. If someone walked in front of your camera, you wanted to kill him. Yeah, your wife kind of looks 16, even though she's 19, so you're a little nervous. Yeah, yeah I get it. Yeah. I do get so, it. Yeah, so now we cut to... I mean, in my case, they were 16, so it was a much more dangerous <laughs> no, project. No, no, Eli, Eli, what did we say? What Edit did we say? point. Right, looked exactly. We 16. Looked 16. Look 16. Don't admit <laughs> to being a pedophile on the podcast. It's on the whiteboard. I'm looking at it. This is on me. <laughs> This is on me. <laughs> so, so now we get more of the hanging out at the Mormon house and being all funny and pranky and stuff. The prank is to take a picture of him taking a shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's, and they laugh about that like they're on peyote and nothing's raping the moon yet. This is the funniest thing ever. A black man taking a shit. Right. And every time they do that, there's a didgeridoo sound. Like, yeah. every time what? the guy's mad, it's like, <laughs> it's fucking insane. It's fucking insane. And now we get a scene that I, I can only assume means that in the future, I do get crazy billionaire money, and time travel is invented, and I go back in time and insert this scene in this movie. That's the only way this scene makes sense. Oh my god, is- yeah. Time traveling Eli put this scene in this movie because he and the black guy are gonna go try to convert some black people. Right. Well, it, and it starts with with uh, pops in the in the uh, hospital. He calls him. He's like, "Hey, I'm gonna go to that appointment." He's like, "Take Banks." He's like, "Why?" He's like, "Cause there is no way we could get away with putting these lines in a white actor's mouth." <laughs> Not even Mormons would accept that. And they basically are just like, "Hey, black guy." What's the deal with blacks not being able to be priests until 1978? And he's like, it's not about race. And she's like, it's definitely about race. That's why they made it about race. Yeah, right. He's like, well, the priesthood isn't a right, you uppity neighbors. Neighbors. I was planning on saying that the whole time. We're all neighbors. There's also this great moment where Alan's like, well, you know, I think. And they're like, shut the fuck up, motherfucker. And he's like, right. Sorry. Not my thing. Okay, cool. I'm white. I'll be over here. I'm going to try and pull this munchkin off my face. 
And so, okay, so, yeah, I mean, and I guess the Mormons who wrote this thought that they were dealing with some of these racial issues instead of just pointing them out. But, like, basically, like, Banks's argument back is, my fellow Negroes, let's not hate white people. Let's hate Jews. Am I right? We can divide them up into little groups and hate just this one segment of the white people. That's really his argument because he's like, well, I mean, if you look back at the Old Testament, it used to be that only the the Levites got to be priests. Not even all the white people could do it. So slowly we got around to you. Fun fact, that's not true. It's the Kohanes that could be priests. That's a common mistake. So even the movie's wrong about its own stupid movie. (laughs) Well, to be fair, so is the Bible, apparently, about its own stupid religion. (laughs) So, yeah, and and then he also gives this, like, uh, well, I would like to explain to you that Mormons were one of the first religions in America to have black leaders standing in front of white congregations. And that's like when you see the car ad where their car didn't rank first in anything, and they're like, it has the highest rear crumple zone safety rating in its class, you know? (laughs) Exactly. The only fucking thing they could think of to say. Oh, and then I love too, cause the, cause the, after he like throws out his bullshit jingly keys for all of the race stuff, the, the chick is like, well, what about women? It's 2016 and they still can't be priests, right? He's like, well, God has a penis. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's really his answer. He's just like, look, I don't know. Okay. The answer is I don't know. Well, and cut then, to the next scene. <laughs> well, even worse than that, because he goes, she goes, well, are, are women ever going to get the priesthood? And he goes, well, you'll have to ask God about that. And how many fucking movies have we seen where once the character has a question that's completely unanswerable and, and really demonstrates the bullshit of the religion? He's like, well, you're going to have to ask God about that. Yeah, it's weird that the characters in all of these Christian movies behave the way that people do when they tweet at Noah about the shit that I say on other podcasts, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Right. How come you let people... That's not a thing. (laughs) I don't know what Noah thinks about minotaurs. Then the end of this scene, this is is where I'm absolutely sure about the time-traveling Eli bit, because this is how the scene ends. The black guy that they're trying to convert turns to Banks, the black Mormon guy, and he says... Boy, they're making a fool out of you. And the scene just just lingers there for several seconds and dies because nobody there had the acting chops to pretend otherwise. Right. Well, I assume because the cut line was... (laughs) (laughs) They are. They took a picture of me pooping. Their prank is when I answer the door. I don't want to do this anymore we've got a guy who reads books and he doesn't believe any of this shit i want to go look there's only three black atheists and i'd like to be the fourth i think i'm ready ishmael's lonely yeah (laughs) me ishmael and alex jules we're gonna take on the world so now it's time to cut to a good old-fashioned mormon roof party I wrote, how is this only halfway over? But they're talking about Mormon stuff, and this is great because they might as well just be going potato, 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 potato. I had no idea what the fuck they were talking about through any of this. Well, this is – so they're about to be – I looked this up. Okay. Okay. They're about to be moved to different wards. Oh, okay. wards are fuck hutches. (laughs) So they get put in fuck hutches so that they'll get ready to fuck each other. Uh And if they don't fuck each other in their fuck hutches quickly enough, they get moved to other fuck hutches to find someone to fuck. And so the girls are taking too long to get matched up in their fuck hutches. Uh So they're about to get moved to other quote-unquote missions to be 
fucked appropriately. I, I see. Yeah. So when you hear the word ward for all our non-Exmo listeners, it just replace fuck hutch. Yeah, just <laughs> yeah. and not just in terms of Mormonism. Just do that in your day-to-day life. You'll be oh, a happier yeah. person. Absolutely. So, so yeah. And then also, and I thought that they were going to move away from all the racist shit, but apparently they're going to linger there a little bit longer uh, because we got uh, Banks and, and Allen chatting about the racist shit and banks saying like you know hey you know i didn't know about any of this racist shit until after i was baptized talk about you know shit they should have told me going in right and this is their attempt of an apology or an apologetic because he's like yeah man that was really hard to hear about all that horrible horrible shit that they did and still do but i went and visited the jail where um Things happened and they played us a scary tape because I was 15 and I cried and had a Holy Spirit experience because when you overexpose children to emotion, they confuse it with religious bliss. Yes, exactly. And they can't even hide that within their fucking movie. They they put the God helmet on me, but for realsies. Yeah, right. And it's genuinely, I want to point out, like, this is a well-acted movie. This is genuinely tragic. Like, this is not funny for this is where i started messaging noah like fuck we got an anti-mormon movie god we got to do leap a week early we got to do weep we got to do leap a week early yeah well right right yeah because at this point in the movie you're just like wow boy would this convince me not to be a mormon if i was (laughs) human and well and then too i love at the end he goes he goes like you know but that's just god he gives you a hundred reasons to believe and two not to i'm like two Dude, do you have any idea the kind of racist shit Brigham Young's? Anyway, anyway. Well, to be fair, lots of people do that. Like, you know, whenever you publish a science paper, usually at the end they have a couple of things that are just like, oh, and by the way, this is why this is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's a test. Do you believe? <laughs> you got to have faith in evolution. You yeah, know? Exactly. Those, th- those three or four things that we all know disprove evolution, we just ignore those because it strengthens our be- ability to believe in it. <laughs> So, and apparently they had no way to end this scene. So they have that guy Sandoval stand up and do the I am the a golden god speech from Almost Famous at mm-hmm. this rooftop or whatever so they can throw stuff at each other. And I'm like, I'm writing in my notes like, is this Mormon for fun? Yeah. God, is that is fun. so fucking sad. You could be sucking on each other's erogenous zones here. You could, but instead you got to throw crumpled up pieces of paper at each other. Yeah, that's Not all worth. they've got. Wow. So then we get, we cut to that night and Mormon Corey Haim can't sleep. It's probably the rat chewing on his cheek, but, uh, he, he goes into the kitchen and it turns out that guy who sees through all the bullshit also can't sleep. And this was, you know, right coming right off of the, uh, the, the scene where the, the black guy is like, um, you know, wow, is this incredibly racist? This is where I started. Like if you hadn't already watched it and assured me, no, 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 it is a Mormon movie. I would have had the same thought. Right. Because it's genuinely tragic. This is a genuinely, brilliantly acted, tragic, horrible moment in this movie. Yeah, and and it's it's so ridiculously telling. And and I say ridiculously telling because this is telling the message they don't want getting out. Because this guy, Kinniger, who's been reading the books the whole time, he's like, you know, obviously very torn. And he sees the kid and he goes like, what if all the people high up in the church know that it's a lie? 
What if they all know? And they do, right? I mean, there's right. no fucking way you can get high up in the Church of Mormonism without knowing that, yeah, Joseph Smith went to prison for, and he probably stole the Book of Mormon as bad as it is. He probably stole that from some other dude and blah, blah, blah. Oh, they're, they're, like, you can't look three inches into the facts behind Mormonism and still Former church it. elders come forward all the time and talk about how people know, like, this is a, this is a known quantity. Yeah, exactly. It's not, a, it's not a, even a supposition. Like, it's not right. like what we do with, like, the Pope where we're like, hey, Francis is just making that shit up because he likes making living in a city made of gold this is a thing that happens all the fucking time yeah this is like right. a going clear had been published in 1938 <laughs> but then but that's the thing though it, it, that he has this very emotional myth but he's like what if they all know and they're lying to us just so they'll have slave labor and a lot of fucking money yeah and he says if they are damn them to hell yeah and it was really well acted, too. It was, like, surprisingly well acted. Yeah, it's the best and realest moment we've ever watched. And it's weird because I actually got very emotional because I realized, like, a ton of our listeners had this moment. Right. Like, it's, I sit here and watch a movie, and you've talked about this, and I've talked about this, and your diatribe last week was about this, but, like, my mom listens to our show. My atheist experience was like, Bleh. that's it. That's That was my deconversion, but, like, this is what people who listen to this show went through. Right. And that's fucking horrifying. Right. Because, yeah, this guy literally is. We're watching this guy wake up to the fact that he's been lied to for his entire life. He's been taken advantage of. He's in the process of being taken advantage of. He's been employed to take advantage of other people. And this kid, like I said, really pulls this off. So on that somber and surprisingly honest moment, we're going to pause for a well-earned break. But first, let me give Act 3 the hard sell. Will Mark get the microfilm to the CIA before the Russian spies get to him? Will Melanie's grandma get the medicine she needs before she turns back into a jack-o'-lantern? Did I just start making up backstories for the extras to tamp down on the desire to hang myself rather than watch any more of this boring shit? You bet your ass I did. I'm gonna get my gun. Now get in there and tell him what's what. Oh no, please! Please don't kill me! I'll suck your dick! I'll swallow your loaches, please! Uh, I made a poop in my panties! What? I made a poop in my panties! Su Surprise! <laughs> Wait. Uh <laughs> you should have seen the oh my god fuck fuck dude i'm sorry man it's, it's okay it was it was just a joke it was set up we messing with you. oh god he really did shit himself yeah he, he really did that's yep uh i don't really know where to go from this this moment this is kind of awkward hey 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 buddy you can use my mouth as a fuck jar just don't just no 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 nobody's gonna use your mouth as a well, fuck jar he's it was, it was uh, okay. a it was a joke no it was a joke it was a joke see see it was a joke J joke yeah w welcome uh welcome to the group oh yeah. man you guys you guys sure got me good uh yeah I bet everybody does what I did, huh? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, no, they sure I'm do. I'm shitting right now. They sure, totally. They sure do. It happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, son, daddy's going to go get some cigarettes, but first I want to give you this. What is it? It's a Hank Aaron autograph baseball. Wow, dad, thanks. That's, that's amazing. Uh, uh hey, d dad, didn't... Hank Aaron spell it with two A's? What? Oh, fuck. Uh, here, here, let, me, let me see that. Let me see that. Oh, yeah, this isn't it at all. Give me one second. I'll get the right baseball. 
There you go, Hank Aaron. Wow, it looks so similar. Well, you know, baseball is baseball. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Okay, I can see you aren't impressed. Well, how about this World War II sword signed by George Washington himself, huh? Come on, Dad. That's, like, not even close. Like, we oh, both oh, know. That- okay, all right. Wait, one last one. I got a book what says that black people are punishment from God and that ancient Israelites invented wooden submarines. I love it. See, this. This is why I'm leaving. And we're back for more of this shit. When we last saw our hero, he was given every reason to recognize Mormonism for the unsupportable bullshit that it is and refuse to take it. So now we're going to go to them at the hospital where they're going to go check up on Pops. And at this point, I was genuinely concerned and messaging Noah being like, so Leap is a parkour movie. (laughs) I don't know how much time you have. Have you seen it? Oh, this is no good. (laughs) This is no good. But luckily for us, they immediately cut to a scene where the orderly at the hospital sort of implies that maybe the guy's dead. Right. Because they're like, oh, we were looking for the guy with the brain tumor. And they're like, yeah, he's gone. And he's like, oh, he's dead? He's like, no, 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 he just left. Yeah. Weird way to get your kicks, orderly dude. <laughs> right. What a dick. I'm sorry. He's no longer with us because he's down at lunch. Yeah. I like to have fun. <laughs> I fuck the bodies. I fuck the bodies. If your friend does die, he, I will fill him. <laughs> Yeah, so he does the whole, like, doctor from family guy shtick or whatever. (laughs) And so they leave, and and they're in traffic. They're trying to get to Benny's baptism. I guess they're baptizing Benny and the hooker today. Right. And uh, so, you know, at least we get to see the hooker getting soaking wet. At least they Mm -hmm. give me that. Yep, and they do. Uh, But Benny didn't show up for his baptism. Yeah, he was not good enough for white skin quite yet, I guess. Yeah, and we should point out that Pops left his hospital. He's not okay. Right, He's not well. He just had to be at the magic bobbing for spiritual cleansing ceremony. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Yeah, he skipped out on medical treatment to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and this scene culminates, of course, with some more strained, painful, tortured attempts at flirting between him and the waitress hot blonde chick. Yeah, all the sexual tension of a parole hearing. And (laughs) she sits down. This is what happens. She sits down and he goes, don't be rude to me, okay? And she's like, I wasn't rude to you. You're right. I was rude to you. And I'm like, romance. (laughs) So... Uh, exactly and he says that he's willing to read war and peace for her i'm like don't do it dude don't Don't do do it it. it's fine these russians are sad about the things that they can't control there you go i saved you forever (laughs) nine thousand fucking forever read some name of the wind and this is where both of our notes contain 45 minutes and 12 seconds left (laughs) (laughs) noah's got nanoseconds written down there (laughs) right yeah i've got i've got some i've got some uh, decimal places but this is where we learn because here here, this is where the movie brought it back Right, because here's the thing. You're listening to this right now, and you're like, hey guys, you need to funny the fuck up this podcast. And don't worry, because this is where the movie takes a hard right turn into crazy. A hard right turn, because she's about to tell us that she broke off her marriage because when her fiancé came back from his Mormonism trip, he was so damn Mormon that she just didn't deserve him. Well, and that's the thing, is that this is one of those hard rights that starts off as a left, you know, like they have to swing around a large <laughs> load or something, because she's like, yeah, when he came back from his mission, he just wasn't the same, and we're like, oh, okay, so it ruined his life. He was better. Wait, what? Wait, what? 
He was so much better that I couldn't bear my testimony. Yeah, and I, I love your note here. Oh, the, the, the dick surgery one? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, that's everything that she says. It's so like you should go, he was so strong in his faith. I couldn't bear it. It's like this is penis augmentation. We're talking yeah, about this is dick stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. about breathing. And by the way, I have written in my notes at this point. My cat walked over my keyboard as I was watching this scene. And I couldn't bear to erase that because that's as meaningful as anything I could think to say about this scene. Yeah, Cat Wilford Brimley was like, here's what I think, diabetes. <laughs> Why are you watching this shit? <laughs> Look at my asshole. Look at my asshole. <laughs> so they, they leave a... That's the, a Wilford Brimley impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing. Someone doesn't know who Wilford Brimley is. <laughs> And they're just like, when did they're Googling him now? And they're like, why did that guy show someone their asshole? <laughs> yeah, I guess it's a dog person. So, yeah, so they leave the beach and apparently somebody took the van, I guess, or whatever. So they have no way to get back. I, I, I Who the fuck knows? Well, and this is where we get the craziest. Well, not the craziest. One of the craziest moments in the movie, because they're like, eh, I guess we should take the bus. And Pops is like, oh, can't take the bus. If I sit down, I'll fall asleep. And if I fall asleep, I'll die. And he's like, so we should take you back to the hospital, right, Pops? And he's like, no, no, no. Gotta nope. go talk to the hookers. Yeah, apparently he's like uh, Jason Statham and Crank or whatever. He's got to exactly. keep his adrenaline going. And and so now we go they, we go back to Pops and Alan who are over at Benny's place just sitting on his porch, you know, trying to figure out where he, w- what went wrong. And this is like the stalker boyfriend of religious proselytization at this point. He didn't show up at the fucking baptism. Leave the poor guy alone. Yeah, I wanted them to be holding a fucking boombox over their head, <laughs> playing the Book of Mormon, the podcast. They're just playing David Michael showing. So, and then, of course, we get a little bit more of the backstory here, and it starts off with them going like, "How were you born Mormon? Here we go. Take me there, Noah. But Take me. You know what it is. Yes. Take me there. Then he drops the dad in prison thing. Why is his dad? Just take a moment. Pause the podcast. Why is his dad in prison? Write Tax down fraud. Write down a list of what you think yeah. it might be. Take take a second and think <laughs> about how you would want the only Mormon character, the Mormon father figure in this movie, to be portrayed. Because he turned his son Mormon, right? Yeah, right. His Mormon was his da- son was Pentecostal. Yeah. What's he doing? Oh, he stole some bread to save his sister's son. Right now, he's got a tattoo on his chest, getting chased around by a French guy. Right? No, no, no. No, no. He fucked a bunch of kids. He was a serial child molester. Fucked a bunch of kids. Not even one kid. He fucked a bunch of Went kids. all over the country with the Mormon church, like on Mormon missions, fucking children. A county fair tour of child fucking. Yes. That's the... They didn't have to... They, But they did. But they did. He could have robbed banks. <laughs> anything. He could have robbed... He could have anything to make your Mormon character look better than fucking a bunch of kids. Yeah, he could have shot an old lady for her fucking social security check. Sure. Anything. Sure. Anything but what they did. And so he goes... And then he goes like, yeah, but on the other hand... So wait. Stop. <laughs> Turn, drop. This is how we roll... This is how we roll. He says, he says, but you know, he made me Mormon. So, and then he does like a, eh, yeah, like a he fucked a bunch of kids, know. but he did fucked introduce a bunch of me kids, to- but he also made me Mormon. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Yeah. I wonder why that child molester kept wanting me to get soaking wet and baptized. 
fucking <laughs> crazy. What? The craziest thing I have ever heard of. Well, it, but it gets even fucking crazier when we get to uh, Pops' response because he's like, you know, yeah, I haven't had much luck in the dad department. He's like, well, at least your real father's there for you. He goes, well, no, my real father left. And he's like, I'm talking about God. It's God. I meant Jesus, man. I meant I'm like, Jesus. what a dick thing to say to a guy without a dad. What a what a crazy scene. What a crazy. I mean, you don't. There's no way to write Pops' character unless he puts a t-shirt gun in his mouth and shoots out the back of his head. <laughs> there's no way to. I mean, he, he wrote himself into a corner. But it is the craziest thing in the world where they just sort of like shrug their shoulders. And if you're wondering, hey, does that kid fucking dad scenario ever come back in this movie? No, no. There was Not never a reason for that. In no way. Now, so I want you to keep in mind the, the, the progression of what we've had in this movie, right? So we've got the Kinniger guy, the guy who's reading books that aren't Mormon, who is convinced that this is bullshit, and we had his scene. Then we had all the racist shit that we dealt with, and then we had, wow, you know, uh, Pops is, like, foregoing important medical treatment just so that he can be at this weird ceremony, and then, wow, my dad's a child molester, and the child molester made me into a Mormon. So, like, at this point, it is so easy to think, wow, they're tricking Mormons. Well done, guys. They're tricking Mormons. Mormons into seeing all this shit. We could recut the last 20 minutes of this movie and it becomes the strongest atheist prop. I'll just put a bunch of curly fries on my head and throw on a fucking brown marker, just paint half of my... <laughs> and then just be like, man, I'm going home. Don't you? And that's it. Then we just made the perfect anti-Mormon propaganda film. Well, right. Well, well, let's give it two more scenes before we do because we also have to get the part now. This is where, where Kinniger is fed up and leaves. Yes. Right, so he he comes home and he sees that uh, Kinniger has left his pa uh, stack of boy is this thing bullshit books right. with a note that says to Elder Allen, like right. dude, like let's let's you know figure this out here. So I guess he's going to the bus station. So now we go back to that scene again, but this time it's Pops and Allen showing up to try to talk Kinniger back into going you know to the Mormon thing. Right, they're basically like. He, and again, this is so well acted. Why? Why give Kinniger these lines? Why? Why movie? But basically, Kinniger's like, this is all bullshit. You fucking know it. Read those books. And Pops is like, you think I haven't read all the books you have? And Kinniger's like, then say anything. Say right, anything. Right. The only reason you're a Mormon is because you have cancer and you're afraid to die. And then he punches him. Yes. Yes. Pops' response to you're just afraid to die is, is me trying to open a can of Pringles. <laughs> it's between my thighs. He gets into a fight with the brain tumor guy, a fist fight, and then Kinniger starts leaving. Johnny Lingo music starts playing for no fucking reason. And then he turns to Alan and he's like, hey, man, bus goes through uh, Kansas City Kansas on the way. Kansas City. And all of our notes are, go, I'm old, be free! <laughs> right! Go. Yeah! Right! And, that, and, and again, that's where the fucking movie should end right there. That's where it ends at crazy billionaire money. But no, now we go to the goddamn restaurant where they're like, um, him and, him and Pops are, are eating and Pops has lost another one, so he's all upset. Right. And this is fucking insane. Here's the scene again. Why is this scene in your movie? Because this is the scene where he goes, right, okay, if I'm a Mormon, this is the scene where he just blows Kaniger away. Where he's like, all that's, because he says, all that stuff he said wasn't true, right? And yeah. what's supposed to happen in the Christian movie you write to convince people to stay Christian is, dude, let me tell you something. 
God makes horses where God makes horses. And that thing about Joseph Smith, turns out it's not true. I got a video of Joseph Smith telling the story four times backwards because it totally matches up. And instead he looks at him and he goes, I'm not going to convince you, man. You're just going to have to. Yeah, his message is you're just going to have to believe this shit. Mm-hmm. That's all he's got. And he gives it to to him in like five minutes worth of melodramatic key jingling. But all he's got is none of this shit makes sense, man. You just got to accept it. Right. And he goes, look, I can't answer those questions. And I wrote in my notes, oh, OK, I'm going to go. You want to split the check or you know what? You get this one. You get this one because I was in your cult and you didn't have an answer. for And me. you didn't pay me for anything. Yeah. And now we're going to get the denouement him turning religious scene because here's the thing again at up until this point i was worried that this movie was not going to be good for our show right but now it's time for him to squeeze his butt cheeks together and be mormon well right and this okay so we get this praying montage and this goes on for like 25 minutes but what we first see and this is i guess this is we're supposed to be cheering this he throws the books he hasn't read away Fuck as, those books. As, this movie. Yeah, as the movie would have him do. And then he reads the Bible for a while and then asks the inside of his own head what's correct. We call right. that epistemology, boys and girls. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? That's the actual message of this movie. Is like when you find information that conflicts with what we tell you, throw it away and wish in your head that you didn't know it. Yeah, it's like the it's like all those illegal movies like Jerry Maguire or fucking uh, t- Ten Angry Men, where the guy like finally figures out the evidence that's gonna convict the killer or set the teenager free. Except all he does is think to himself, and then the movie expects us to be like, "Oh, he figured it. Out. I want the truth." Like that's what it's it's supposed to be the "I want the truth" scene, but he's just yelling it at himself, and then he answers himself, and then that's it. It, we never address any of the points that have been raised. He thought real hard in his head, and it's fucking over. Uh, yeah. The conversation he had with himself turned out well for his delusions, so Dunzo McMonzo. Yeah, right, and, and it's kind of like that fucking lawyer in that scene found the fucking evidence and then threw it away and prayed to God and asked right. him what he threw should do. Threw it in do. the garbage and was like, tell me, Jeebus. And and also, they have this this scene where he's like, He's he's tried to pray several times, but he couldn't. I, I guess he had false starts. I don't even fucking know. Came to her. I don't know. Yeah, he was thinking about it too hard. You got to just let yourself pray. You know, <laughs> you can't just, just get your in your head and stuff about it, and just like you know, put your mouth on prayer for a second. Just cuddle <laughs> prayer. Just cuddle the Bible for a bit. <laughs> But the, but we're, we're supposed to see that it all comes through for him because he's, he goes down to pray for the fourth time or whatever. And he goes like, Father who art in heaven. Father. Father. And then he brain comes or something. And we're supposed to realize that he's just had this daddy moment with God or with Jesus or whatever. Because if your real dad abandoned you and your stepdad fucked a bunch of kids, what you're supposed to realize is that. Jesus didn't do either of those things. Well, and you're also supposed to realize that God has a plan for you that involves your fucking deadbeat dad leaving and your other dad molesting a bunch of children and God not doing anything about it. Anyway, so for the best, but we know that that this is, um, yeah, well, right. But but as we learned in the, uh, in, in the Quran, like one of those molested children might have grown up to, uh, to rebel against their parents' religion. Yeah. Don't judge a molester by its cover. (laughs) Eli Bosnick's story. (laughs) 
and also and the, the Quran. Quran. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so now we get cut to the next day, and we can tell that he's all the way in now because the alarm clock goes off, and he's already up, and he's got his shirt starched and his tie tied, and he's ready to go change some minds. In fact, they go straight back to that stingy Catholic dad that wouldn't let Dora become a fucking Mormon earlier. Right, and they convince the crap out of him. They say, hey... He's like, guys, I'm still not convinced to join your cult. Just cut it out. And they're like, do you mind if we leave with a prayer? And he has an asthma attack. I, I wrote, I, my notes are just like, dude, silk scarf. What's going on? Nasonex? Heimlich. So, yeah. So they, then he prays. And of course, he has the same mental orgasm. God enters him from behind, but gently, gently. And uh, he decides to become a Mormon. Right. He Mormoned right in front of our very eyes. Right. And then we cut to them stalking Benny some more, and I wrote in my notes, guys, Benny is growing fortune cookies instead of meth. Leave him alone. <laughs> so I, I wanted Benny to have been dead by the floor the whole time. He's like reaching <laughs> up to the door handle. They find his body. Because they keep coming back to his house, and they're like, you know, maybe we should look in. He is disabled. He could have fallen or something. But no. Um, and then like we get him praying, you know, dear Lord, please help us find Benny. And suddenly Pops realizes maybe we should call the hospitals. Maybe the disabled guy got into an accident. Right. Which they think of three days after the last time they saw him. But yes, that's what happened. And and here is what we learn has happened to Benny. Yeah. Benny got the fuck beat out of him by L.A. gangbangers who thought he would be full of money? Like they thought he was a, a racist pinata? I don't know. What, <laughs> what the motivate? Listen, we're, this is supposed to be a very tragic scene, but it's one of those things where like someone's like, puppies are in the arms of the angel. <laughs> so I could not give less fucks because it's just the most racist, worst version of what they think LA gangbangers would do. Because he's lying in the bed and he's like, they beat me with their guns. How do I know I'm not infected? Because he thinks that L.A. gangbangers gave him AIDS by hitting him. AIDS guns. They have the AIDS, AIDS guns. guns. It's like the rings that Pat Robertson warned us about. Right. Also, do not steal my idea for AIDS guns, guys. I'm super <laughs> serious about this. My Kickstarter is so close to being funded, and I am. I will not stall production because one of you assholes ruined it. <laughs> But yeah, he's just stupid. And it's so melodramatic, too, because like, here's what we've got. We see a character with a fakie cut on his forehead, and he's like, I'm probably going to die. And they're like, no, they wouldn't have left, left, sent you home from the hospital if you were going to die. And he's like, I don't have insurance. It's like, oh, yeah, they totally would. Oh, yeah, no, they would have. I'm surprised they let you come all the way here and didn't just roll you into the dumpster in the parking lot. <laughs> what are you, Princess Peach? <laughs> and this is where... I am this scene. What's about to happen is where I stopped wanting to not watch this movie and knowing that Noah would watch this movie became the most spiritually important thing in my life. <laughs> All right. So, so the daughter, the sister, uh, Benny's sister comes in uh, to the kitchen where, where uh, Pops has taken his tumor pills i guess and and she says weren't you going to be a doctor at one point isn't there something you can do and he's like no i gave up on useful stuff in favor of mormonism and she's like oh but is there anything you can do he's like nothing useful no i'm a mormon and or at least that's what i thought was going on here at least mm -hmm. that's what a sane mind would have expected and he's like you nope. know what there is something I can do. Bring me the magic oil. Oil, oil, oil. <laughs> now, just to clarify, we said this a little bit because we mentioned the crutches earlier. Benny cannot walk. 
And right. Benny has just been beaten really badly so that he cannot even walk with his crutches. Right. And they broke his crutches because they're evil L.A. gangbangers. Right. But that's okay because Pops is going to go in there to cast a magic spell. He sure is. He sure is. That's he says, what's going to fucking happen. Benny, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe he's super cool and could totally beat up Superman and Goku? <laughs> Here's some magic oil. Now you can walk. Now you can fucking walk! And indeed, he can! Oh my fucking god, and I'm just like writing in my notes, Hey, are you still crippled there, lady? Must not love Jesus enough. <laughs> Must be praying wrong, I suppose. Yeah. Fuck this goddamn fucking movie. Fuck mm. them and their bullshit false hope that guy could have been a goddamn doctor! Could have been a doctor. You know those people who actually help people. Yeah, walk right, right, in. exactly. The people who this actually happens for, right? Because <laughs> that's the fucking thing is that, you know, back in the day, whenever religion, you say, oh, we can make the lame walk, we can make the blind see, we can make the deaf hear and the thing. The thing is, is that science actually can do that shit now a lot. And it's so routinized that we don't even look at it as a miracle. But even today, the best religion can do is imagine if their magic was as good as science is. Yeah. As good yeah. as science really fucking is. And it's not, so they have to make up bullshit like this scene where suddenly the crippled guy can walk because the Mormons put fucking oil on his head. Yeah. You know why? The story where doctors do this is boring. Right! We didn't, it's just a part of the movie where he already went to the doctors and the doctors did the real shit. And the part where Pops went to the hospital and the, ho and the hospital did the real shit. It's all the boring part of this movie because it's real. Where they stand there for seven hours and fucking cut you open and then take shit out and then put you back together again. And it's not just what I do to male postal workers who get too close to my traps. It's real. <laughs> and it would be a terrible boring movie that none of us would want to watch and you want proof there's surgeries on youtube right now go watch one you won't you won't you know right. why because they're fucking boring right and the <laughs> only way you can make it interesting is put to put jennifer garner and queen latifah in there and act like there was magic involved somehow oh, we should start doing that we should start just annotating boring surgeries with things we pretend are magic <laughs> scalpel Ooh, the scalpel of omon ra <laughs> Uh-oh, Doc. Looks like he's losing a lot of blood. No, he's not. He's totally fine. Better use our wound wound She wonder twins activate. Just me and Heath doing little rain dances around an operating room. Can we make them leave? I don't know. It's something about a Patreon goal. They promised they'd do it. They need a whole bucket of the Jim Backer stuff, so they're going to need to be in this hospital anyways. <laughs> Oh, God, that's still coming, isn't it? So, mm. and then, of course, the Mormon coffee addict, the guy that we met uh, earlier, he sees that Benny can now magically walk and decides to give up the devil's diarrhea once and for all. So, yes, after the miracle guy can walk who couldn't seen, we get a emotional scene about a man giving up coffee. Yep. That's, that's Mormonism for you. Yeah. Holy shit. So then we cut to the next morning, and Pops is dead pops yep. is dead He's and just... i wrote in my notes try the oil yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's strange it's like they knew it was bullshit this time but i i like the interpretation that he traded his life for benny's legs you know yeah exactly a anyway so yeah so then th so now he's dead of his brain tumor and uh alan has to hold load him up and because it's like when you rent a couch when you call the coroner they expect you to help Right, exactly. Uh, He's got to dress him up and tie his shoes and 
plug his butthole. And, well, and we spend a lot of time with this dead body. I mean, we could have just cut to the funeral. Not that- the first time Noah has said that to me. Just <laughs> for your listeners at home, not the first time. And the answer is because I was nervous. <laughs> And then, uh, and you know, we get Alan stick- sit- sitting by the dead body and shit like that. And I'm like, wow, this companion thing just keeps getting creepier. Yep. Holy shit. I thought when they died, you get to go home, but apparently not. No, you've got to lay with them in the ground until the two years is up. <laughs> exactly. And so then we get like the Mormon pre-funeral, because I guess they're going to fly his body back home so that dad can have a, a regular funeral in the wrong religion. Right. So they're going to have the little Mormon pre-funeral where White Grimace says a few words, and it's basically Walter Sobchak eulogizing Donnie. Pretty much, yeah. I, I mean, he's like, you know, he lacked patience and he lost his temper. He even flirted with my wife. He cheated what? in solitaire. He smelled so like the weird. blacks do when they sweat. He was an insufferable ass. Oh, I'm sorry. What, what, what were we, what were we what talking were we about? Sorry. sorry. Oh, God. Everyone's here. Oh, fuck. Fuck. Inside thoughts. Inside thoughts. <laughs> he also calls him spiritually clumsy. The Eli Bosnick story. <laughs> I wrote in my notes at this point, it's like, there is nothing I've done in my life bad enough to deserve another 11 minutes of this movie's. <laughs> and also, this is probably the most insulting, not to me, but the most insulting line in the movie, where he's just like, you know, in his eulogy, he starts saying, but you guys, and this is where the God's Army thing comes, and he's like, but you guys are heroes just like those people who actually go out and risk their lives for things. Like, no. No, they're not. Nope. You know, I get, I get a little bit, you know, I think we go a little bit overboard with the hero worship of police and firefighters and, and, and soldiers in this country. I think we go a little far with that because there's other people doing equally dangerous jobs. You know, we don't, garbage men die all the time. We don't, you know, call them the heroes and stuff. So I think we get a little bit overboard here. But when you say, oh, you guys who go bother people while they're trying to eat their fucking breakfast and shit, you're just as good as the police officers who put their... No, you're not. <laughs> you're the most useless fucking people we have. And if it wasn't for all the useful people around you, you would not be able to exist. Yeah, you guys are the 9-11 responders of bothering people who want to sleep in on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And we see the blonde chick here again. And, and I just want to point out that she's gotten less hot as the movie's gone on that's so weird they usually go the other way but this uh, movie's so terrible that it's like you know i'm sure hitler is probably a fairly physically attractive man but i can't see it the six million (laughs) jews get in the way so at this point in the movie i hate all the characters and everything about the movie so much that they could have pulled megan fucking kelly out of the scene and been like i'm just gonna take my clothes off and cover myself in oil and i would have been like fucking Hair looks weird. Page boy haircuts out, Megan. Page boy, spell your name weird. So now we get uh, a, a, a literally like an eight-minute breakfast club close, an eight-minute voiceover to close it all off, um, to which I just simply wrote, this movie is decidedly not over yet. Yeah. And so we, we basically, we get to learn that the the guy who replaced Pops is big. Well, and he doesn't get the whole taking pictures of me while I'm shitting thing. It, I don't. He seems see the... confused rather than amused by it. Yeah, imagine that. But we do get our our Breakfast Club clothes, and the Breakfast Club clothes is basically uh, Brother Rose gave up coffee, mm-hmm. but still gave people rides. The mm-hmm. hooker's a Mormon now, but she's not a hooker anymore. Right. The redheaded girl, who who the fuck is that? Do you remember her? <laughs> who cares? She did something. I promised to include her in the breakfast club clothes if she touched me through the pants. So <laughs> she went home and was a mother. 
Well, I, I was gonna say this is like the Breakfast Club close when nothing interesting ever happened to any of these people either during the movie or after because it's all like Sandoval went on to join the Navy. It's like you're singing piano man at this point, <laughs> exactly. And then he ended up fucking the Franck chick, and eventually they had a baby. And Which named they named Pops. Dalton. Well, right, but they call him Pops. Yeah, but they call him Pops. They have a baby called Pops. That's like Data naming his cat Spot. Anyway, so what the hell was the point of this story? What was the, what was the moral here? Um, only watch the first fifty minutes, and we'll get you out of the cult right away. <laughs> <laughs> I had, we know it's bullshit, so shut up already, but that's pretty much the same thing. Well, I, I can't imagine that anybody involved with this movie on any level would disagree that it doesn't deserve any stars or upturned thumbs, so we're going to leave that for movies with plots and whatnot, and to try to capture the overall visual punishment of this film, I ask you this. How would Pops have had to die to make this a good movie? Uh, I'm going to go with a head-on collision with Kelly Kohlberg, where like they both die, but not right away. Like The cars catch fire, but they can't get out, and everyone just watches them burn and suffer as they die. Like They can't. They try, and they're begging and pleading for someone to just shoot them through the windshield, but no one has a gun, so they just, they just melt in their own skin like that. If I could have watched that for another hour and a half, I think this movie would have balanced out to suck. Yeah, you know... <laughs> And I have one more point that I want to touch on about this movie. The uh -huh. guy who made it and the guy who stars in it is no longer a Mormon. Oh, really? Yeah. He's not a Mormon anymore. Like, a few years ago, he bid this big... He, he's made a shit ton of Mormon movies, and then he just put out this last thing being like, yeah, I'm still religious, but I'm definitely not Mormon anymore. And then he went into fucking hiding so they would leave him alone. So the guy who made this movie fucking got it eventually. <laughs> no one's a goddamn Mormon anymore. Maybe he just watched his movie. So, <laughs> so I guess that's going to do it for our review of God's Army, but that's not going to do it for the episode just yet because we still need to tingle your naughty bits over next week's show. So Eli, tell us what's on deck. Leap. Finally. Now, here's the thing. This was a, this movie was a bummer. Okay. Yeah, really it was. was. A, we didn't have Heath. There was the whole King Schmillinger guy. But next week, we have a parkour Christian movie for you. Let me say that again. This is a <laughs> apocalypse based parkour Christian movie. There are no previews. It is on YouTube and we'll put the link on the Facebook page like we always do. But it is the single greatest thing. This is, n these people cannot do parkour. <laughs> well, I, when, when Eli can give you shit about your parkour abilities, your oh, parkour, my parkour <laughs> is far superior to everyone in this. Oh, film. awesome. Far superior. Cause if there's one way to guarantee Heath's going to make time next week, it's an apocalyptic parkour movie. Holy shit. <laughs> So with that to look forward to, we'll bring episode 45 to a merciful close. Once again, a huge thanks to all the Patreon donors that help make the show go. If you'd like to count yourself among their ranks, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash godawful and thereby earn early access to every episode. You can also help us a ton by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes and by sharing the show on all your various social media platforms. And if you enjoyed this show, be sure to check out our sibling shows, The Scathing Atheist and The Skeptocrat, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts live. If you have questions, comments, or cinematic suggestions, you can email godawfulmovies at gmail.com. All the music used in this episode was written and performed by Ryan Slotnick of Evil drafts on mars and was used with permission if you like what you hear hear more by following the links on the show notes for this episode thanks again for giving us a chunk of your life this week for eli bosnick i'm no illusions promising to work hard to earn another chunk next week until then we'll leave you with the breakfast club close heath watched something good with no mormons in it it was the best <laughs> bastard
Connie, the waitress, was a little nervous. She'd never gotten a massage from such a sexy woman before. Oh, I like your ending. <laughs> Kinniger and about a hundred other Exmos like him suggested this movie and listens to this show. Congrats, guys. You made it through Mormon Month, and so did we. We made it! Don't you watch Mormon movies again? Never doing Mormon movies again. 